0: Okay, so um we want to look at the highest blessings, and I thought we might start by chanting it together. I know you've you've probably chanted it before, but let's chant together the the highest blessings chant. And we'll use that sutta as our basic study guide for today for our investigation. Okay, so the highest blessings chant is there. Now let us chant the verses on the highest blessings. Thus have I heard that the Blessed One was staying at Salati, residing at the Jettus Grove in Anatapindika's Park. Then in the dark of the night, a radiant deva, Illuminated all Jata's grove. She bowed down low before the Blessed One. Then standing to one side, she said, Devas are concerned for happiness and ever long for peace. The same is true for humankind. What then are the highest blessings? Avoiding those of foolish ways, associating with the wise and honoring those worthy of honor. These are the highest blessings, living in places of suitable kinds, with the fruits of past good deeds, and guided by the rightful way. These are the highest blessings, accomplished in learning and craftsman skills, With discipline highly trained. And speech that is true and pleasant to hear. These are the highest blessings. Providing for mother and father's support. And cherishing family. And ways of work that harm no being. These are the highest blessings. Generosity and a righteous life. Offering help to relatives and kin, and acting in ways that leave no blame, these are the highest blessings. Steadfast in restraint and shunning evil ways, avoiding intoxicants that dull the mind, and heedfulness in all things that arise, these are the highest blessings. Respectfulness and being of humble ways, contentment and gratitude, and hearing the Dhamma frequently taught, these are the highest blessings. Patience and willingness to accept one's faults, seeing venerated seekers of the truth, and sharing often the words of Dhamma, these are the highest blessings. Ardent, committed to the holy life, seeing for oneself the noble truths and the realization of Nibbana, these are the highest blessings. Although in contact with the world, unshaken the mind remains, beyond all sorrow, spotless secure, these are the highest blessings. They who live by following this path, know victory wherever they go, and every place for them is safe. These are the highest blessings. So this uh, these beautiful words of the Buddha are one of the three chants that are most um, popular, most used in the Theravada world the uh, the other two as you might know are the Karaniametha Sutta, the Buddha's words on loving kindness and the Ratana Sutta um, of the treasures and uh, that one has been used a lot since the beginning of the pandemic because it came that that Sutta came at a time when there was a plague in Fish Holly, But today we're going to talk about Highest Blessings, and I think it would be nice to look at um, a couple of different translations. In fact, we'll probably look at three altogether uh, a little bit, but primarily the translation that's in our chanting book, and then uh, we're going to look at Ajahn Brahmali's translation on Sutta Central. That's the one you see on the right-hand side of your screen. At least I hope your screen is in the same direction. (laughs) Um, And one of the first things we'll notice is that, well, let's see, before I say that, I like having an interactive discussion in general. And if you have comments or questions as we go through this, please uh, raise your hand, uh, your little blue hand, and um, Takula will um, will help um, bring you on uh, on to uh, let you talk. <laughs> Something like that <laughs> can work it in, and. Um, and sometimes I might ask you questions, so be ready. So the first thing we notice in the, in the different translation here is that the title is different, The Greatest Good Fortune, instead of The Highest Blessings. And they're both good translations.
1: Yeah, uh, it may be possible that, um, as we are both hosts, that I can share from the chanting book and then you can share um the ones that you have.
0: Powerpoint.
1: I just tried that and it didn't work.
0: Okay. Okay. Sorry folks. Um okay, so I saw an option Okay, so I'm going to show you Sister, the Ajahn Brahmali version.
2: Sister, could I ask a quick question, and that's what sutta number is this?
0: Ah, yes. This is in the sutta nipada. I'll, I'll just show you how to find this. If you go to suttacentral.net and you uh, look at the menu, you see sutta, vinya, abhidhamma. And then you drop the menu for the suttas, and you see this, um, you know, the usual large books are the long discourses, the middle discourses, the linked discourses are the Sanguta Nikaya, the numbered ones are the Angutra Nikaya, and minor gives you a list of other books. The Kutika Nikaya is the fifth Nikaya in the um, Pali Suttas. And within that Kutika Nikaya, there are 15 books including the Dhammapada, which you might be used to. And we're going to look at the Sutta Nipata, one of the ones that we um, are, are often often referred to. And within that, the second portion, the Chulavaga, is where you'll find this Sutta. And it is the fourth Sutta, Mangala Sutta Sutta Nipata 2.4, and we have the translation by Bhikkhu Bramali. So that's the one we're going to look at now. And we can refer back to the chant that we just did. We're more familiar with that one. So you'll be able to follow along, I think, without any trouble. So the first thing, as I said, is we see that he translates the the sutta title itself as Greatest Good Fortune. And, you know, um, when we choose words um, to translate the Pali, and often you can't just do it word by word, you have to translate phrase by phrase or sentence by sentence to really get the sense of what's meant in the Pali. Uh, It's always a, a kind of an interpretation so greatest blessing, sometimes the word blessings can give the connotation of something that's kind of conferred upon us from above, you know, something God blesses us or, you know, maybe others bless us, but it comes from somewhere else, it seems. And good fortune has this idea that, you know, it's your, it's your good luck, right? You're good. It could have that idea that it's your good luck. But what's so amazing about what the Buddha says here is that all of these things are really based on our own choices. And it can be something that we've made choices about in the past, but most of it's choices we can make right now. And I think that that's, that's so indicative of the Buddha, where it's this is about self-empowerment. He recognizes the Dhamma, the actual way things work, is that our own choices about how we act and how we speak and even how we direct our minds, if we train our minds, they're not just following the the conditioned tracks that we've come down with, and we can actually reshape the way we think, and that this is the way we wake up if it was all just past conditioning or the blessings from somewhere else or just luck, uh, how could we wake up? So it's, it's like, yeah, the real blessings, the highest blessings come from what we do, what we say, how we think. And that, I think, is super exciting. So here he says, this is what I've heard. At one time the Blessed One was staying at Savati and Jeta Grove and at Tepindikas Monastery. On that occasion, as the night was coming to an end, a certain god of great beauty approached the Blessed One while illuminating the whole Jeta Grove, and after bowing to the Blessed One, they stood to one side and spoke a verse. Do you see something different in this than what you're used to? There's no hand that comes up immediately, I'll just tell you what this is an attempt to degenderize um the suttas and I think it's really appropriate. They it's not a it's not a male god, a female god. Um, you know, like maybe we could get the gender discrimination a little bit a little bit softer. <laughs> Um, And it's a reasonable thing to do. Because the gender, uh, we don't know what gender. In Pali, the deva may be male or female. And um, here we have uh, the allowance for that possibility. Many gods and humans desire well-being, our seekers of good fortune, please tell me the greatest good fortune. Or in our the, um, the chant, it's what are the highest blessings. So here we have our first three highest blessings in the next verse. Not to associate with fools is the way he puts it, but to associate with the wise and to honor those worthy of honor. This is the greatest good fortune. Now, in our chanting, it says, I like the way that our chanting book translation is in this regard, because it says, avoid those of foolish ways. And you see this um, in, the, in, the, in the suttas. Sometimes it'll say a bad Bad person or good person, uh, instead of they're committing or doing unskillful or bad things, or they're doing skillful or good things. And we know that there's a lot of power in the words we choose. And if we talk about associating with fools or bad people, or associating with good or wise people, it Associating with the wise, I don't feel as much of a, a an issue with this, but you know, to think in terms of someone with foolish ways or they're doing foolish things instead of them being fools, I, I really think that's an important distinction. Honoring those worthy of honor. So of course, these these who we spend time with, has a huge impact on our life. The question of when to leave a relationship, um, how to find those who are wise to spend time with, these are questions that come up all the time. It came up again last Sutta study, you know, how bad does it have to be before I step away from this relationship and there's no pat answer. Because that could be a, a close family member. It could be a, an old, very old association, even through lifetimes, even if we don't remember that. So it's it's an important it's important to remember how much we're influenced by who we're around and also our environment. We in the next verse, we t- it talks about living in places of suitable kinds or living in a suitable place. And it's it's really, whether it's our job, whether it's our home, whether it's our town, whether it's our country, um, I know people, I know a woman who left Persia because of the gender discrimination. I mean, that kind of environment is going to have a huge impact on the person. And I'm someone Um, I don't know, you don't really see this spelled out uh, in the suttas as far as I know, but the saying, environment is more powerful than will. And we can see that it's sometimes, many times, human beings with their will can overcome the negative effects of a toxic environment, but it's very hard. And it's very easy for whatever the people around us are doing to kind of filter in to our own behaviors and our own ways of thinking. So this is really an important consideration. And when the Buddha talks about associating with the wise and honoring those worthy of honor, he's probably mostly referring to people who have developed or realized some level of awakening. Uh, there's a point in the suttas where he talks about himself as the best friend. So these, it's important to have good friends. Good in the sense of good, they're loyal, they're honest. Um, good in the sense of they're wise and skillful. And the ones who have, the, the more they live according to the Dhamma, the more they have realize according to Dhamma, the more valuable it is to spend time with them. And to, um, you know, and we can actually listen to their teachings um, and uh, really soak up um, the whole attitude of awakening. Helps us to wake up. Any questions or comments so far? No? Okay. If you decide to ask, later about something previous that's totally okay okay living in places of suitable kinds having previously done good things so of course that previously is something we can't change now but um, I have no doubt that everyone here today has a whole ton of good karma tons of good things you've done previously (laughs) you wouldn't be here even interested in this if that were not true. And it's important to remember that and to make use of it. If we have any association with the Dhamma, if we have any support from the people in our life to, to go this direction, um, if we have any means of having time for meditation or time for practice or self-reflection. If we have the ability to read, you know, there's so many layers of good fortune in your life. And it's really important to remember that. And then, you know, applying ourselves in the right way. This is, you know, like what is the right way?
1: Well, I have a question about, um, the line about associating with those foolish ways. Mm -hmm. And I was listening to you talk about the, what's advisable, what's beneficial. This line is a little bit, um, uh, well, it gives me some questions about what the balance is between disassociating ourselves with those who, uh, indulge in foolish behavior and what the benefit could be in uh, serving those of foolish behavior who we can provide some support to or some model some good um, virtuous behavior to in order to hopefully help them or uh, provide some companionship or camaraderie to those who might need a certain degree of support or kinship um, if, we, if, we, if we can find a space for that? Is there, is there a way to find a balance between disassociation completely and serving those that we feel like we can uh, help?
0: Yes. Yes. And I'm really glad you brought it up because I actually had intended to mention this, and I didn't. Um, and I thought you expressed it really well, because this isn't like, oh, I'm just going to be in my own little club, and only those who are saved get to be here. <laughs> you know, it's like, No, it's not like that. Um, and it's also the fact that we, everything that, that Dave just said is true, but we're coming to that from a different place. Um, it's coming from a place of I have my values in place and I'm, I'm at the point where I can give that kind of support without getting pulled in. You know, like when I was 17, I'm not sure that would have worked. Now there's ample capability to be present with people and support them in making some move. It makes a huge difference whether they want that or not. Uh, If, if they're, you know, continuing to, you know, uh, indulge in addiction, for example, there's very little that we can do sometimes. We still might, given our relationship, continue to try, if it's our child, if it's our parent, if, you know, there there's still value, perhaps, in being there, present, giving an example of a different way, um, but it. But it, I think the distinction, like, like you're saying, where's the balance? And it's, it depends upon how it affects our mind. If our mind is strong and we are well established in the Dhamma, then the, the attitudes of other people and the behaviors of other people have less, if the unskillful ones, have a less of an impact. And then we can be there as a guiding light, as a support, not as a, above. I don't, you know, we want to be careful not to let the ego um, take that attitude, but as as a recognizing that we all suffer, that we also have our own suffering. We also have our areas where improvement is possible and needed, um, but that we can also be a support, a uh, support. Uh, 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 a post in the ground that they can touch um, when, they're, when they're going through rough times. And so I'm very glad you brought it up. And this is the kind of stuff that, you know, this is where the rubber meets the road with regard to the practice. It's like these real-life situations where it's not so black and white. There's not very much that's really black and white in that regard. Um, but, if, but the Dhamma is, I mean, in a lot of ways, uh, very clear. There's a very clear understanding of what's wholesome and good, and what isn't, and we can rely on that. Um, So, yes. So, thank you for bringing that point up. Anyone else at this point? Okay. Okay. Ooh. do you see something on your screen that says discourse on blessings or not it has It ha, it is okay so I can switch back and forth with these things and show you stuff that's good okay so this is from a site called non, nalanda.org.mi this is from Malaysia and it's a Buddhist school um, you know kind of obviously taking its name from the ancient Nalanda um, Buddhist university where many um, sects of Buddhism practiced together. And this is their translation of the Mangala Sutta. And this is a really interesting resource because in this document, they have the the English English Pali and then they go verse by verse with the Pali, and giving you the meanings of the Pali words. So I might show you some of that as we go along. Let me see, where are we? Oh, here we are. This is the one I wanted to point out. This, our, the verse we're on, to live in places of suitable kinds. And <clears throat> this, the, the third blessing in this verse, to, to have set oneself on the right course, And then in parentheses, they add towards emancipation, towards Nibbana. So when we're established in the right way, what does it mean? And when you see things in parentheses in translations, then the red flag or the the awareness flag should go up that, okay, the translator is adding something here. This isn't in the Pali. It doesn't say you're on the course to Nibbana in the Pali. However, um, it does say you're on the right course. The Pali word here is samapanidi, and it means rightly established or well-placed on course. And then, you know, it's the orientation that the Dhamma gives us to know that the right course is towards Nibbana. So it's kind of interesting to consider Like, what does that mean? Okay. So back to Ajahn Brahmali. To be educated and to have a vocation, to be well-trained in one's chosen field, and to speak words that are well-spoken. This is the greatest good fortune. And I think, um, you know, one of the things that's really interesting in this, that the Buddha gave is how he addresses the actual experience of our lives. Um, and then also in the noble eightfold path, there's, you know, right livelihood. Um, and we see more of this as we go into, you know, some of the verses coming on, but to, to have um, skills to develop skills to in, in our, in our livelihood, in our work, in our, chosen area of experience of expertise and and then you know the way we speak is so important another thing I want to say in general about what we're doing right now is that it's so important when we're looking at the texts and translations and the, actually what the Buddha said and we don't get too bogged down in the study part. We wanna wanna stay connected to the inspiration of the teaching to keep in mind how we apply this in our life and how what the Buddha taught can lift us up and show us the way to go forward. Hi, everyone. Um, I have a question there. when it says okay to be well training one's chosen field but um and also there's one part when it says about the handcraft handy handicraft yeah so mm-hmm. i have a question regarding there because as 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 i get that i see that as like a a blessing but more a blessing of the world and like in this life, I don't know, I like to paint. But in maybe past lives, I liked to to do another kind of task. And I was good at that. And that brought me a lot of joy. But it changes a lot. So
2: I I don't know. I, don't know. I would like to hear your thoughts on
0: that. Well, it's going to be different for different people. So for um, for people who... Are um, definitely want to live a lay life, then it's you know, good to have skills that support the lay life um, and work that is, we'll, we'll see down below, we're going to talk a little bit about work without um, harming, um, that kind of thing. But I know about you and your inclination is for the holy life. So that will be your area to develop skill. That will be your vocation. And it's it's like for all of us when we do things like like worldly things, whether it's making art or it's um, making crafts or it's uh, you know doing any kind of job. If we do it well, we do it with the idea of how it supports others and makes things um, more. Um, more uplifting, more beautiful, more, more helpful, it's still helpful. It can still be, um, you know, a support for our life, more convenient in a way, as long as it's not about uh, leading people the wrong way into uh, thinking wrongly, uh, into increasing greed, hatred, and delusion, those are things that we definitely don't want to add to
2: so um this kind of relates to both the the verse that we're on and the next one um and and you a little bit address this but could you talk about a skillful way to to look at and find blessings in a situation where you sort of have a vocation that you didn't choose, and you're not choosing. Um, I, my part, my wife became disabled a year ago, and so I'm doing a lot of caretaking, and sometimes that's, sometimes I can do that with a spirit of Donna, and, you know, loving, and caring, and sometimes it's really, um, it's stressful, and, and it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to
0: do this, you know, I'm, do some other yeah. things. so yeah and I think one really important thing is to give yourself space to feel that because that is a really tough job uh, for any anybody and I think the the feelings that arise to be present with those to um, allow ourselves to use the first three noble truths to work with those feelings, you know, where we stay present with how that feels, especially as those feelings appear in the body and understand them and just give ourselves that um, acknowledgement. So yeah, um, just looking at the next stanza, supporting our mother and father, cherishing our partner and children. Again, it's not wife and sons uh, as some of the old translations might be, um, to have a job without stress. Um, I'm not a fan of that way of translating that line because where in the world is that? Uh, there are no jobs without stress as far as I know. Um, and so I think that's a little over the top. Um, I think um, having ways of work that harm no being, sorry, I just moved the, the scrolling accidentally. Ways of work that, have no, that harm no being is A little bit is a lot more doable, even though that's also really hard. Um, And I'll come back to you in a second, Cynthia, because what you're talking about is really important. But just to kind of loop in this next verse um, when you have to do a job that you wouldn't choose, and you're but you are choosing because. At the bottom line, you're choosing it. And I think it's really important to remind ourselves of that. I do choose this. And to consciously choose it. You know, even though this is hard, even though if I had different circumstances, I would not ask for this, I do choose this. Mm-hmm. And um, I, as things happen to us in our life, one of the ways that we can be present and what do I want to say, responsible and um, free of feeling like it's put upon us is by thinking, what is my job now and how can I do it um, in the best way that I can? And it, changes depending on circumstances, this came up really strongly for me when my daughter was in a very bad car accident. And I've told this story before. I apologize if you've already heard it, but um, she was about 22, maybe. I got this call uh, that she had been in this car accident. Her roommate called. They were taking her to the hospital. She was still conscious to ask him to call me, and so I was, it was about a 45-minute or hour drive to the hospital from where I was, and the whole time, I wasn't driving, thank goodness, but the whole time I was thinking, this is what the practice is for. I had this feeling that she might be dead by the time I got there, or she might be paralyzed. I'm not sure why that came up in my mind, but then I thought, I just have to think about this is what the practice is for and what is my job now. If she's paralyzed, I have a certain job. It'll change my life. If she's dead, I have a certain job. I need to support her going on from here. And it's like, yeah, you don't choose these jobs, but you do them. And if you feel the... the The choice, if we make the choice and we are making that choice to do the job, we are so much more empowered in doing it. I got to the hospital, she had a broken back in two places. Fortunately it did not affect the spinal cord and she did not need surgery. She's recovered fine. I mean she's you know, it never is back the old way but it's like it didn't have that impact but the actual facing of that possibility was helpful because these things happen that change our life and we we love that person and we're going to do the job and it's okay to feel frustrated to feel tired to feel oh this is heavy because it is heavy and And then you pick it up and you do it again. And that's how it is. And the idea of a job without stress, good luck. (laughs) I think, (laughs) you know, there's no job that I know of that there aren't parts you don't like or are difficult. Uh, Even the nun job. That was a prompt from across the room. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's
2: uh,
0: it, it's that's life in samsara, and in a in a way, we're really lucky because if it was all easy, we wouldn't be motivated to get out and to really change ourselves and our um, karmic situation. So thanks for that question. Was there anything more, Cynthia?
2: No, that's, that's very helpful, especially the part about choosing. I'll have to reflect on that, but thank you very much.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. Okay, so generosity in an upright life or generosity in a righteous life, kindness towards our relatives and doing of blameless deeds. Now, the word here in Pali is apamata. Apamada is usually or often translated as heedfulness. So being heedful, to not do harm, to be conscientious and careful. I think that's true. Let me check it. And that, that phrase, um, yeah, it's apamat. And here it's just a grammatical change apamato, apamata, same word diligence, mindful, not heedless, not careless. Oh, I'm on the, okay, maybe not. Sorry, I think I'm on the wrong verse. Forgive me for that. Ah, previous verse. The blamelessness. Anavajani, blameless, beyond reproach. Okay, this is where the blameless deeds are. The ones that the wise will not um, censure us for. Think in terms of, you know, like, um, what would my teacher say? And, you know, it's. uh, I heard Ajahn Jayasaro say this once, you know, you can at the end of the day think about what you did that day and you can feel pretty good about it. And then you can think, well, if my teacher could see and hear everything I did today, how would that go? (laughs) It kind of raises the bar a little bit more. And all of that is good, not in a punitive way, not in a way to be hard on ourselves, but to really... um, think about what it means to be blameless. And uh, this is one of the virtues, one of the powers that the Buddha talked about of the, there are four, he talked about four powers that relieve us from five fears. We never have to be afraid of, of, um, you know, getting a, let's see, what are the five? We never have to be afraid of getting a bad reputation. We don't have to be afraid of what, losing your livelihood, you don't have to be afraid of losing your livelihood, getting a bad reputation. You don't have to be afraid of dying or what's going to happen after dying. And there's one other one that, I, oh, you don't have to be afraid of being in um, assemblies. You don't have to be timid. And this being blameless living a virtuous life that is blameless is one of the powers that keeps us from having to have any of those five fears. In case you're wondering, this is in the Anguttara um, chapter nine, or book nine, and number, sutta number five. It's one of my favorites. It's got uh, four powers and five fears, which is how it gets to be in the book of nines. And it's a, it's a great sutta, um, Yeah, well, that's another story. (laughs) Maybe we'll talk about that some other time. But that idea of being blameless is super freeing. And then the next, um, since I was kind of moving in this direction already, the next one, to refrain from what is unwholesome or to cease or abstain from any kind of, unskillful, bad conduct to abstain or have forbearance from using intoxicants and to be steadfast in good qualities. And this is where the word abamata is used, where we're heedful. And that has the, the, the connotation of... See, looking forward to see what the results of our actions might be, so that we are—we're um, not just being circumspect for the moment, but we're also kind of seeing how it's going to go down the road, and recognizing that we want to. Be steadfast, firm in doing things that don't have a negative outcome, if we can foresee that. So, heedful behavior, you feel attracted to someone who you're not married to, or um, they're married to someone else. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes people ask me questions about this stuff. Someone came to me and said, there's this man who is very attracted to me and he wants to have a relationship, but he's married. Should I do it? (laughs) I'm like, well, (laughs) hell no. (laughs) (laughs) Just walk away decisively (laughs) to help. Well, he's going to get divorced. No, don't even believe that for a second. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> And I'm not just going to put the uh, blame on the guys here, but any, any time we are tempted to go uh, down a path, we got to think about the future. What is going to happen here? How are people going to get hurt? How, how is this going to derail my own freedom from suffering? And any time it does damage for others as well. And and, um, the Buddha's um, encouragement to look at the unbeautiful side of things. Like, do you know how young we look on Zoom? I mean, all of the defects are gone. I look like I'm 30 again. (laughs) If anybody's dating on Zoom, brace yourself. (laughs) and whatever we think uh, about the way things are in the moment, they're going to change, they're going to fall apart, and uh, that reflection can really help when we are thinking about losing hold of our steadfastness in virtue. Yes, Paula? Paula?
2: I'm going to go back to um, the providing support for your mother and father and cherishing family or on this one, it says partner and children. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I've heard you talk about providing for mother and father, but not so much about cherishing family. Could you um, elaborate on that, please? What that means?
0: Yeah, you um, it's a, it's a, I think I think your question, and certainly where my mind goes, is, as we let go of attachment, aren't we kind of letting go of this cherishing business? <laughs> but I think what the Buddha means here is that you care for your partner, you care for your children, and it's true that as we awaken. That caring changes, but the change is amazing because it, we lose the attachment part. We don't have the desire for them to be the way we want them to be. We're better able to love them the way they are without our own agenda because we lose the agenda part. We're like there, um, solid in ourselves. Understanding the Dhamma, understanding when they do things that are unskillful or unwholesome that it's going to lead to some suffering, but that that's the way human beings are and we can cherish in a selfless way that doesn't increase our attachment; it decreases our attachment and it, it gives them more freedom to be where they're at. And we can love them um, even more. So kind of remembering to notice where our cherishing is sticky and where it's freeing. And that the, the cherishing that's freeing is the way we want to go. And that, that freedom, you can feel the feeling in your own body, um, how it, it's tight and worried uh, when we're attached. And as we let go, we can feel the release and the relief, and we still cherish. And it's it's beautiful when that cherishing becomes much more universal, real metta for all beings. And it's it's still... case that we have this karmic connection to those particular people. We are karmically connected to our parents and our children and our partner. And that's a a beautiful thing, because then we have a ticket to their life challenges. We have their front row seats when they're dying. Um, You know, I mean, you may think, what's great about this, but it is great. And it's, It's like you don't just get to rock up and be at everybody's bedside when they're passing away. You get to do that when these people, you have this karmic connection and you have this relationship and you get to be there when they are in a car accident and their back is broken. And you don't get to do that for everybody. This is a privilege and it's a responsibility. And again, we choose it. And so that's what I think. Okay, so I think we all understand about intoxicants. (laughs) Go on to respect and humility. Respect and humility, contentment and gratitude, the timely hearing of the Dharma. This is the greatest good fortune. How's our chanting go? respectfulness and of being of humble ways, contentment, and gratitude, and hearing the Dhamma frequently taught. These are the highest blessings. Humility is a huge one. That's a great, great practice. Um... And it ties in with the next verse, too, being patient and easy to correct. I mean, we see the nature, the degree of our humility when we see how defensive we are when someone wants to correct us. If we are there defending our personality, defending our choices, defending our egos... We can't listen to the feedback very well. And it's important, like, you know, in the monastic life, we have these times when you're, um, you ask for feedback and you get it. And sometimes, a lot of times, you get it when you don't ask. <laughs> and you're living in a community, and the, the quality of the feedback can vary as it can in every other aspect of life. And there's a strong temptation to just explain ourselves quickly, fire back something. And the Buddha lists all these things that human beings ordinarily do. You know, you turn around, you blame the accuser, and you um, say, well, other people are doing it too, and, you know, there's all kinds of, or I didn't mean to do that, but this is the reason, and this, and this, and this, and this, before we actually take it in and try to think about how this could be um, the case and what we can do about it. So basically, it's better to really take it in, even if it feels super wrong, and to be quiet for a while, to really understand where this person is coming from, and to not take it into the heart in a way that hurts, but to take it. I had one teacher who said, just put it over here on your shoulder. <laughs> don't don't take it into the heart as a as an arrow. Just put it on your shoulder and hold it and and observe it. And you know, like in these um, you know, kind of like a nonviolent communication method, then you repeat back what you're hearing, this gives you a chance to uh, truly understand what you're being told and then you make a decision, then you can investigate how accurate you think this is like Ajahn Chah said if someone calls you a dog you check to see if you have a tail um, but he did not say you bark back right away <laughs> so i think it's useful and it really helps us develop humility and less of a armored um, kind of fortress around our personality and It becomes easier to be respectful. Um, It becomes easier to be patient. We learn, we practice the patience and the contentment and the gratitude. This is all connected, I think. Okay, I am not exactly sure who's next. Uh, Let me see. By the way, um, you all have offered a lovely meal for today. Um, We're not going to show you a picture, but you can imagine it. More important, Holly. Hi, uh, Aya. Hi. Really,
2: really, uh, I appreciate the two translations that we're working with and your elaboration on some of the words. I always find that, because it's all from different times in history and different populations and different viewpoints, all those translations. Um, Lately, we've been being pulled in a few directions, And I would appreciate if you could elaborate on some of the translations of contentment.
0: Okay, so this is an area of, um, I mean, this is probably Santuti in Pali. Oh, let's see. Yes, yeah, Santuti, which is the name that they were going to give me, Santuti. It's a kind of an awkward word. <laughs> they were going to give that name to Aya Santuchita, but she said absolutely not. You know what Tutti means in German? It's like, no way. <laughs> She's not going there. Um, and I was really glad they came up with Santusica, which has the same meaning. It's contentment. And there's not much elaboration um, On that it's being contented and I think primarily when we look at the mind when we when we tune in to the heart am I contented right now or am I not you can feel it Um, if I'm contented I don't want anything I don't want to get rid of anything there's peace so that's in the moment is the mind content or not? Well, most of the time it's busy working on something, so it's not really content. But then we can look at the larger scope of our life and see: Am I content with this place that I live? Am I content with the the job that I have? Um, am I content with the people I live with? And you know, it's kind of more general, and it's worth understanding it, and it's worth Reflecting on it from time to time, you know, am I content or not? And um, I think that's probably, it's a pretty straightforward um, word, Santusika. The ultimate Santusika, Santuti, is Nibbana. It goes all that that way, you know. Complete contentment is the realization of Nibbana, where there's absolutely no wavering, no... No movement, forward, back, up, down, right, left, nothing. Yes, Candle. So nice to see you hands-free. Brings me great Mudita. Candle offered this great thing that actually it can twist any direction and it holds up the phone. It's so awesome. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> um,
2: the the word that I stumble around on which I hate to admit is
0: humble oh. especially being female in a world where uh, oh. sometimes being humble uh,
2: you sort of lose your power I don't know if that's quite the right word but um, and so I always sort of accept the word, but I, it, it has a little niggle that I'm trying to find out what other possible uh, translations there are. Yeah. Or what your feeling is on, do you just accept
0: that word and go on? The Pali is nevado. Um I don't know if we can do something different with the word, but I think we can do something different with the implications. Mm -hmm. Because humility is so beautiful. Like, I never hear anybody say, I don't like how humble that person is. (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, it's like, we love it. You know, Bhikkhu Bodhi says it's an amazing guy. He's an amazing scholar. He's an amazing human being. And he is so humble. And people know him all over the world. You spend time with him and people are constantly like praising him no end and every time he like comes back to something <laughs> like you know well you don't know this inside my head you know you <laughs> know like he's so humble so super humble and but he's not and and it's true that for women be, and for anyone who's in a position a social position where there's there's this um less than implication and treatment um Regardless of whether that's for race for for size, for uh, religion, for gender, for whatever it is, um, we want to be sure that we see the distinction between being humble around the ego and being solid and confident in ourselves and in our um, in our rightful place. And so I think what's important, it is important that as a woman, we don't like see ourselves as less than, but we are reducing the, the ego kind of like, I got to like prove myself, prove ourselves in our virtue, prove ourselves in our goodness, have those powers of, Virtue and generosity and, um, and being a good friend and, you know, those, those virtues of the Dhamma. And then we're solid in ourselves. There's no way we can be put down because we know. And then the humility is around, I'm not going to puff myself up and act like I'm better than you or worse than you or the same as you. Not to have that, um, that selfing, uh, to whatever degree, you can set that aside. That's real humility. It's a great question.
2: Okay. Thank you very much.
0: You're welcome. Sorry to hold you longer. It's meal time. Um, I, I really, um, I think we'll chant a meal blessing right now for you, and. Then uh, blessing the food. Um, my reinforcements are coming. Saba Gowei Muto Saba wajito. Saba where a ni buto chato waba
1: sabi teo
0: sabarogo wajan to saba rogo winasa to sanichang. Puta pachaino cha ta rodanti I U Wano Su come. All right. Thank you for the meal offering. And we will come back at one thirty. So while you're away. Try to avoid technology if you can. Try to avoid talking very much if you can. Try to maintain some sense of being in a sacred space and um, really enjoy your meal or whatever you do during this hour and a bit. All right. Take care.